Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Stevie. That's what I thought it was. I heard that the way it hit right there. Welcome back to New Theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy Harbaugh Harge. Um, the theme is President's Day since we just had President's Day. So all these songs have something to do with the presidents of the United States. My man Patrick always digging in the crates and finding out some good things for us. Uh, tonight is Thursday night. You got Longhorn Weekly with Rodney Terry right here at 7 p.m. We got uh, the Longhorn Blitz podcast replay with uh, Jeff Howe, Rob Babers, and Matt Butler at 8 p.m. Make sure you tune in to listen to that tonight, as always. We got my man Chip Brown sitting in for Rob Babers. Rob Babers was out today, but he will be back tomorrow. I will be out tomorrow and and doing the Carbach uh, Round Rock Classic up in Round Rock. It will be LSU, Iowa, K-State, and Sam Houston uh, the games kick off tomorrow at 2 o'clock, and at 6 o'clock, LSU, the number one team in the nation, will start the tournament off against K-State, a Big 12 foe. So I'll be up How there How would scouting. you describe your style as far as, as a color man on, whoa, whoa, on whoa, baseball whoa. broadcast? Color analyst. I'm color a, analyst. Not, not color man. No, you know? <laughs> color analyst. As a color analyst. That's racist. That's racist. Uh, as a color analyst. Analyst, analyst, I would believe that I'm more of the guy that kind of talks you through what you see and it kind of explain how things happen. That's what a normal analyst would do. I'm not going to overbear you with all the you're not going to. He needs to throw a slider right n- now. No, I'm not going to do that. I will. I will try to give you a little insight to how to set a guy up. I will tell you how the infielders and outfielders should be working together. And I would probably tell you what I would personally do in a situation. That's and good. I, That's good. And I would also be very uh, – I would humble myself because even when the Longhorns last week, when they were making errors, I even said, I was like, I've been there. I know exactly what they're going through. It's early in their career. They're trying Oof. to make some plays. And it, you know as well as I do, the ball seems to I, find you during that time when you think oh, it shouldn't find you. Hard. I've never seen – Four errors lead to eight unearned runs. Eight unearned. Eight unearned runs. And add fuel to the fire. The guy that hit the grand slam, he hadn't hit a home run in two years. He hadn't hit a home run in two seasons. So when that happened, it just so happened at the floodgates. But as I said, it was the first time those guys were put into that situation. They, They played the game before. 
And later in the game, they made some great plays. But you just look at the energy of it, and now they're playing on their home turf. They open this weekend with uh, Indiana of the Big Ten. They will be coming in, and I think they'll get right again. I think they'll go up there and have some quality at-bats. I think they'll make some quality plays as well. It's just a difference. Man, you, you've seen this before because Arkansas travels. And they they oh, woo yeah. pigs. They call them hogs, and it is loud, and it's new for some of these kids when they get out there. And you go through the entire weekend. You got two freshmen that are starting at at, at first and third, right out the chute in a big night. Um, then the, on Sunday you have two more freshmen playing in the middle of the infield. So there's a lot. And Cam Constantine he never gets to play first base. That's the first time he got that opportunity. And Tanner Carlson's a new player as well. So you look at all of that, and you're like, okay, there were some butterflies. I've been out there. I know what it's about. The energy in the stadium is a little bit different than you playing at your high school field. I mean, it's just different. And then you get the home cooking when you get home. So you feel better, and the people aren't cussing you out. They're cheering for you. They're not calling you every name in the book when you come to the plate. They're trying to lift your spirits. So you get your feel for it. And now you get the transition. You get to play a little bit more. So we'll see. We'll see what did happens you see, this Did you see uh, David Pierce almost get decapitated by Preston Brown's foul ball yes. Tuesday night? Yes. It was the second time that he's almost had this. Trey Faltini almost had him last year. I mean, Pierce just ducked back out of the way. And when his hat helmet came off... You could see the hair standing up because he knew that was close. That's scary stuff. Yeah, that's man. why they that's why they wear the protective the helmets. helmets. Yeah. That's why you, if he would have had both of them on his ears, the ear flaps, he would have. Then you know he'll probably he <laughs> have needs, to be paying attention. If, I bet next game he's got the ear flaps. Well, I bet next game he's a little further down. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Don't you got to move. Don't be. Don't be up front in that box. Don't, yeah, don't. You got to get, get back. on the back get half on of the that. back side, especially with Porter Brown hitting the ball the opposite way. <laughs> um, what we want to get into right now, and we'll continue the conversations about Texas Longhorns here at the bottom of the hour. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's he's one of these guys that uh, he's not afraid to let you know that he's going to be going uh, and lay down. Somewhere he's going to be out of the limelight, but he always tells you the story because he has that weekly conversation with um, with uh, Pat McAfee and his group, and AJ Hawk is part of that group. So AJ Hawk is former teammate of his, and Pat McAfee, one of the hottest dudes in uh, entertainment right now. But Aaron Rodgers went on this trip where, by the way, it looked like he just went to vacation in the mountains. And just decided, I don't want to see anybody, so I'm going to go into this little hideaway. I don't want to see anything, anybody, or anything. Or anything. Just, just, just walk pure darkness. And just walk out. But there was a candle in there. They had a bed in there. They had all kinds of things in there. I'm like, what, what kind were you of expecting where they didn't have a candle? I'm like, what is going uh, on? Luxury with this guy? of a I candle. Mean, dude, I can't. Where's the lighter? He's got a, he had a yoga mat in there. But when you think of Aaron Rodgers and his self reflection and, and going to meditate at this time, but during this entire time, he is leaving his team hanging with what his plans are. Now, he did go on this retreat for four days. He's out of it now, and now he's back into the world, as we like to say. 
But when you hear all this stuff with Aaron Rodgers, what is the first thing that comes to mind to you? Diva. Well, we knew that. That's definitely one of that. Diva. Diva. Like, it's too much sometimes. Like, it, it, it got to the point where well, every year we're trying to figure out what's next for Aaron Rodgers. But he wanted a bigger contract, and then he gets the contract. But now that's still not enough. I'm thinking about possibly just retiring. I mean, what? what? We give you what you want, and you're still not happy about it. And now you're going to – I'll let you all know what I'm thinking in the next four days when I come out of it, and we'll decide what's going to happen to my career. Like, what? You said it earlier. He's in legacy danger yeah, he's right in now. he's in legacy prison. Like, what's next? He's – He's not about the team winning. He's not about doing the things that he needs to do to connect with teammates and bring receivers along and, you know, make it all about team. Right. The way that Brady did for for his whole career. And when you get into that point where it's about you and your MVPs and your Super Bowl and how are you serving me, man – that's when it all goes to H E double hockey sticks because it's not about it's not about team. Right. Well, even if you think that you're better than Brady, even if you think you're better than Patrick Mahomes, you're still not doing the things that those guys are doing for their teammates. The cohesiveness, the getting together, understanding what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. What route do you want me to run on this? Even my man Russell Wilson, as bad as he was, he brought those guys out to his house. He had a field in the backyard where they were working the entire time, and he was trying to get to know these guys. Well, But when they got to the field, it was a totally different thing. He had his own little office. Hey, he had his own little diva situation. Nathaniel Hackett. I'm blaming <laughs> it all on Nathaniel Hackett. That because dude he didn't know have what it, right? he didn't know what he was doing. Right. That, that job was way too big for him from the beginning. That that was a disaster. Yeah, and it ended up being a and disaster. Now, and now he's got Sean Payton. Let's go. He's now gonna, now if things aren't working, we can blame Russell Wilson. But I bet I bet it works out. Yeah, I think so too. And and I I know my son DJ is praying that it works out because Russell's a winner. He's he better he better be. I mean, with all the money that he just received, and, and but see that's what happened to him. Everybody's looking at him as the diva. Everybody's right. looking at him as the guy that doesn't get along with teammates. We heard the story when they were in Seattle about him, and they. but then they thought he was a dork. Now it's to the point where it's like, okay, now I'm the cool guy. Now I got the hot wife. Now I'm doing all these things, and they just gave me a bank in my backyard. That's how much money he's got. So now you're sitting there looking at him and saying, okay, can you fix this now, Sean Payton, they brought him in. They bring him back Vance Joseph on the defensive side of the ball, which that's amazing to me, and I'm, I'm glad Vance is humble enough to, to take that job to come back and, and coach in Denver. And Sean Payton to say, hey, man, I think you can help the defense and put us in the right position because there is a lot of talent on that defense as well. They did well in their drafts, and there's ta- talent at the wide receiver. But getting back to, to Aaron Rodgers, when you leave this team in, quote-unquote, the darkness for a while, and now you're trying to come back and let them know, how soon do you give them the answer? When does that happen? Do you give them the answer this weekend? 
and say, hey, I'm, you can trade me, you can look to move me, you can do all these other things, or do you just keep continue to keep them in limbo? Well, if the Packers don't like the answer, they're going to tell them to go back into the darkness. <laughs> go back. Or we'll just send you Hello, to darkness, my old friends. New York. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just curious to why now? I mean, we, he could have went on his vacation, and he, could, he didn't even have to tell Pat McAfee that he was going on this retreat. He didn't even have to say any of that. He could have just went and did it on his own, but he wanted his name into the conversation throughout this whole move. And that's oh, yeah. the frustrating part to me. A-Rod knows when he's getting his name out and stealing headlines and when he can get the most attention. It's, it's kind of comical, you know, for right. a guy who hadn't won a Super Bowl since, what, 2011? Yeah, and that was him and 2012. Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Yeah, in well, Dallas. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, what's weird to me is if you want to go to, like, Tim Duncan was notoriously frigid around new teammates. Like Tony Parker will say, he didn't talk to me the first two years I was there. Right. So, like, there's that guy. Tim Duncan didn't do interviews. Tim Duncan didn't. Like, he just right. was like, I don't talk to anybody. I don't like talking. Right. So I'm going to go play basketball, walk out. I like Aaron wearing Rogers clothes. <laughs> does a weekly interview. Aaron Rodgers is constantly being put in the spotlight. Yep. He's dating celebrities. He's doing all these things. There you go. You can't have it both ways where you want to be the standoffish guy to everyone on your team. But then to everyone in the outside world, you want to walk out and you want everybody to embrace you and love you. You have to, like, it's what's the, what's the Beatles? The love you give is equal to the love. Yeah. The, yeah. the funny thing you is. You have to do that. And he doesn't per- want to do that his part. His personality is so big for Green Bay. If, if either one of you have ever been to Green Bay, it is a small town. Right. It's like, it's a small town. I would love for him to go to New York. Yeah. Where he's got. Well, he would be under that microscope oh, of yeah, that. And, and columnists who don't give a yep, flip yep, yep. about what he's saying or doing because you got the Giants in the same market. You got the Yankees. You, you got, got yeah, the Mets. I mean, you got all kinds of stuff that's going on. He's you got, got basketball. He's got reporters in Green Bay who who play ball with him at every turn. Probably yep. go out of their way not to ask a you know a any kind of confrontational question, you go to New York, it's like, dude, yeah, who do you think you are? Right, we will humble you. I'm quickly. just hoping for that. Okay, I, that's what I'm hoping for. But if you, all right, so if you're the Jets and it comes up and they says I'm willing to get be traded, we're willing to work on the contract structure to make sure we get over there. What are you giving up for a guy that you know, fifty fifty, he quits after this season, and I'd say. There's a 20% chance he would, if you if things don't work out, he leaves during the middle of the season and just is like, no, I, I, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, that's, that's a realistic chance. Right. No, it's tricky. It is tricky. So what do you give up when you go, hey, we're giving up because we think we can win, but we also know our window may be one season at max because if he comes in and the New York media gets tough on him, he may just walk out and just go, yeah, no, no I, I don't like this either. I'm retiring. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the sad part about it. He's got enough money. He don't need it. Well, and that's the other part about it. It's fifty nine million dollars that is sitting there. Like yeah. you, you need to make a decision because that's a lot of money for those guys that can go out and go get somebody else. So let's just say, okay, Aaron Rodgers decides. Let's just say he decides to stay. He stays in Green Bay. What what does what do the New York Jets do? Do they go get David Carr? Do they trade for for uh, Action Jackson, Lamar Jackson? 
Do they try to make a move for that? Or do they keep trying to figure out what's going to happen with their quarterback position and draft another quarterback? So what do the New York Jets do? Because this is a team that is waiting. It seemed to be Derek Carr and the New York Jets have mutual interests with each other. They really enjoyed the conversation, getting to know each other. But do you wait for Aaron Rodgers to say no to you? And then maybe Derek Carr goes somewhere else. And so you're stuck with Mike White, Joe Flacco, and uh, Zach Wilson again. Or do you make a move and say, you know what? We're close. We got a lot of talent on this team. Do we make a move to go get a top of line quarterback? You go get Nick Foles. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Nobody's going to get Nick anymore, man. What? Nobody's going there. No, I mean, I think there is a point of <laughs> dilly dilly. There I mean, and, and let's not forget Daniel Jones technically, I mean, they could franchise tag him, but he is now asking apparently for tons of money. Yeah, forty five million. So so Daniel Jones may enter the market at some point in this offseason as well. And hop across the street. And, and I'm just saying that is an option for teams yep. right now. And it's, I mean, I think Derek, If he's saying $45 million, that's not an option I agree. for teams. I agree. But <laughs> if, if he plays the market and he wants to go out there, that becomes a, a different person who is at least in there. Jimmy Garoppolo is another guy who is a free agent right now that people can go after. Derek Carr seems like the easiest choice for the Jets. But, I mean, that all depends on... If they try and do the logical thing or if they yep. if they try and make a splash. Put on your GM hat, Chip. What do you do? If I'm the Packers? If you're the Packers. I mean, I got them under contract. Yeah. So, But do you have you already started testing the waters to see where his trade value would be with other people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've had conversations of saying, okay, we want to move on to Jordan Love. Um, just because we're tired of being held hostage. If I can get two number ones. Then you trade them. Can you really get two number ones for a season? Probably not. For a 49-year or a 40-year-old I mean, I think you may be able to get conditionals. What if I get a first and a third? Well, like, I think I think this whole trade is going to be built on conditional picks, right? Like, if you want to have the best picks for Green Bay, then you have to go conditional and go, well, it's a first – and then uh, uh, to be named that if he plays X amount of games, if he wins MVP, if you win a, if you win a Super Bowl, if you get all this, then we get two or three first. And if you don't, I think you have to put in there some conditions because then a team will go, oh, yeah, we can give you that. We'll gladly give you two first. We win a Super Bowl. But I'm not giving you a first, two first, and then halfway through the season, he has still has not returned a phone call from a wide receiver. Right. Ugh. Yeah, and that's a problem too. That's my other point. It's like – the 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 divaness to your point, Chip, and the where they are mentally when you start looking at this quarterback, I think the Green Bay Packers, and you you may be right. There might be somebody in that office Aaron doesn't like, but I guarantee you there's more people in that office that don't like Aaron than there is that one guy that he doesn't like. And I believe that they're all fed up. But they've been putting it up putting up with it because of the talent that he possesses and the fact that he and LaFleur the first two years went 13 and 3, 13 and 3, but they ended up losing in the playoffs. Last year, it was seemed like he was so disengaged. Like after that first pass of the season where he went deep to Christian Watkins, and then all of a sudden he didn't throw him the ball until late in the year. And he was like, man, we need to work on this. The receivers need to get better. You didn't spend any time with them, right? To get to know them, to teach them how you operate. You just expected I can walk in there because of my arm talent and I'll make it work. There was no cohesiveness. And those routes that they were running were being trained 
with Jordan Love, not Aaron Rodgers. So Jordan was teaching them those routes. That that that's the part that for me, if I'm a Green Bay fan and Lil Wayne has already said that he was done with Green Bay as long as Aaron Rodgers was there and other fans are just getting to that point where they become kind of fed up with him. I'm getting to that point, too. He's as talented as anybody in the league still. His arm is undeniable. It's just the other stuff that I think people are, are growing They just re-signed of. Aaron Jones, too. Exactly. And he took a pay cut. Pride of Utah. He just said, I will restructure my contract for you. So you can have some money freed up. Aaron Rodgers wasn't doing that. That's why Devontae Adams was like, he just took up all the money. I'm out. No, and I, I mean, you also got to think that every executive there knows, hey, man, if we go ahead and pull the trigger on Aaron Rodgers and we just say, screw this guy, he's he's played around with us too much, and Jordan Love comes out and is a complete dumpster fire, and we have a two-win, three-win season, we are all fired because we were the jerks who yep. got rid of the best player that, that Green Bay's ever seen, and we don't even want to talk about Brett Favre because, and I don't want to talk about Brett Favre because I don't want to get sued. But exactly, they, no. But, we, just, but, <laughs> but they, you know, they, you were that guy, and so you have to be able to go, Aaron. We need you to go on TV and say I want out, and then we have to trade you. Yeah, and we are in a better place then. But we can't trade our franchise player yep. just because you're a jerk. Because a yeah. lot of players are jerks. Absolutely, absolutely. My man Barry Bonds had his own locker. You know what I'm saying? Two of them. Two of them. <laughs> he, had his own, he had his own corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had everything taken care of. This is going to be a story until it's not. And this is going to continue to happen because there's so much conversation about Aaron Rodgers and where he's going to end up. There's a lot of suitors out there, but how much are you willing to give up if you're a team that wants him? That's going to be the question as we continue. And how much draft capital do you want to give up as well? When we come back, I want to talk to my man Chip Brown. We were going to get into if Lamar Jackson was going to sit out for an entire season, but I wanted to talk to Chip a little bit more about what he thinks about this Texas football team, and I want to know exactly what he thinks about the Texas basketball team. We'll continue the conversation when we come back on Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's not a Blue Monday edition. Not a Soul Monday edition. It is a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It is the presidents. It's all about the presidents. Uh, We just had President's Day, and Patrick is giving us the way to roll with the presidents. I like that. I dig that. Yeah, you got some Eisenhower blues. I got to go way back on this one. This is, but I'm talking about them blues, baby. I like it. I like that. That's a good, good line right there. My man Patrick always does a great job. We love it when you're a part of the show as well. Hit us up on the Specs text line 
512-337-3776. My man Chip Brown is sitting in for Rod Babers. And, Hello. And Chip, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about this Texas football team, the expectations. Um uh, always high. We've always talked about people drinking the juice, right? The Kool-Aid. Everybody loves that Longhorn Kool-Aid. We were looking at it when we were headed into last season when Quinn Ewers was dropping them bombs and everybody was getting excited. Well, things happened throughout that year, and Texas ended up going, what, 8-5 and five when they had an opportunity to win that, that bowl game, and I was hoping that it would lead us into a promising season. But heading into the season, I want to have optimism. I want to be reserved, though. I don't want to go in there and have my burnt orange goggles headed into there. But I will say this. Texas should be playing for a Big 12 championship or bust. That's it. I don't think any other number or any dependent on the, the conference, you know, just like basketball. Basketball is tightly contested. I don't see the Big 12 being that tight. We do have some new teams that are going to be in the conference this year, so there might be some some teams that can battle with everyone else that has been around this conference. But Texas, looking at their roster, looking at the offensive side, when has the offensive side of the ball had this many returning starters? It, it's been a long time since we can go into a season where the starting quarterback is back, the line is back, the the position players are there the wide receiver skill positions are there but you're missing the most important part of your team and that was B. John Robinson oh yeah and by the way Rojo as well as the leadership positions but heading into this season it's Big 12 championship or bust at least the game or bust yeah it is I mean they should have been in the Big 12 title game last year Mm -hmm. and didn't you know didn't run the ball in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma State, and that's on Steve Sarkeesian Mm -hmm. because he had two drives in the fourth quarter that were averaging 11 yards and and 6.5 yards per carry, and both of them ended up with no points after throwing it on second and third down. So, you know, that, that got away. It, but you could claim success because you won eight games, you got Arch Manning, you got this loaded top three recruiting class. But now you're in the last year of the Big 12. You're going to be picked to win. You have 10 starters back on offense. I think they're going to be fine at the running back position. I'm a big fan of uh, Jonathan Brooks. Yeah, Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter, the freshman, mm-hmm. who's – the best running back in the country coming out of high school, just like Bijan was. And defensively, you still have a lot on the defensive line. And I think Anthony Hill is going to come in and be able to handle business at the weak side linebacker position. And and I think he's going to grow into a monster. So, you know, with Jalen Catalan from Arkansas, Ooh. an all-SEC player who's – all-American type of player. All about winning. Yep. And has approached it this this that way since he's gotten into uh to Texas in January. And you know, Ryan Watts, you got uh Terrence Brooks. Who I'm a big fan of as well. Ryan yes. Watts was my pick to click for the season last year. He played well, missed that tackle against Alabama, but he played well oh, yeah. throughout. And when he wasn't on the field, it showed. When he wasn't on the field, it showed. 
but they bring back a lot of depth. And I really think Terrence Brooks, his 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 run that he had in the in the Alamo Bowl, I thought he played great corner. Thought he had a b- plenty of opportunities, and he made plays. Austin Jordan mm-hmm. is legit. Xavier Bryce is legit. These guys are all long corners, right? And and all of them. The fact that they didn't lose any of these guys. Correct. And brought in uh, Gavin and brought Holmes, in, too. And, right. Brought in Gavin Holmes from, from Wake Forest. Yep. Brought in Malik Muhammad, the number one corner in the country in the 2023 class, who's on campus already battling. I hear that corner position is just like intense competition. Love it. Love it. Which is great. Yep. And, you know, you've just got, you've got experienced leadership at every position group on defense. Right. So, this is it. This is a huge year. Expectations. Everyone's always putting expectations on Texas, but this is attainable expectations. (laughs) And and look, the great coaches reveal themselves in the first three years. You know, Tom Herman was in a Big 12 championship game Mm -hmm. in year two. Mack Brown was in a Big 12 championship game in year two. You know, the, the great coaches are playing for conference championships within the first three years of being on the job. Brian Kelly was playing for a national championship in his third year at Notre Dame. So, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is a nine-win coach at USC. That's his best season he's ever had. Mm -hmm. We need to see if he can take it to the next level, see if he can, you know, he's building it. Yeah, he definitely Love recruiting his staff. well, and his staff is great. Jeff Banks, oh man, is that dude valuable? You know, again, I'm talking to Anthony Hill, um, you know his his dad, and he's talking about the relationship that Jeff Banks and Steve Sarkeesian had with Anthony from the time Anthony was in ninth grade when they were at Alabama, right, and recruiting him nonstop, and as soon as they got to Texas. Reoffered at Texas, right. and and it it ended up that that relationship was the difference, and that's and his little brother, and Anthony Hill's little brother. He's yeah. a big fan of uh, Texas as well. Okay, and <laughs> and but Jeff Banks, you hear his name in every yeah. significant recruitment, like, and then you hear his name involved in helping connect Sark with Pequikowski when. When the Pete Golding thing fell through at Alabama and the Mike Stoops thing or whatever that was. And and then, you know, Jeff Banks is involved in everything. I wow. mean, it, the guy is so important. Yeah. And and I said he would be the first one to get a head coach, and he would be the head coach of Washington State, if not for Monkey Gate. Right. Right at that time was when Rolovich, the head coach of Washington State, wouldn't get vaccinated and they fired him. Right. And it was there. Banks was the guy. And then Monkey Gate happened. Which kind of works out in Texas's favor. Well, to be for quite sure. Honest. For Texas. <laughs> right. But for Jeff Banks, who's right. deserving of a head coaching job. Correct. Because he does everything. And I think he's the one voice on Sark's staff where Sark really listens. Right. And I think Banks is the guy who's not afraid to stand up, up and yeah. say stuff, you know? And and say, hey, we got to keep running the ball here, man. Right. You know, and that's important. Like we've been waiting on Sark to hire this special assistant on offense, 
And at first he was looking at young guys, and then it sounded like he wanted a fired coach, kind of like, kind of like Gary Patterson, where you know he's got buyout money and they don't have to pay him a bunch of money. Right. And he's trying to create the car wash, like uh, right, Coach uh, Saban. Right. He's trying to create that type of area where people can come in and and still stay sharp and involved in the game, but not push too hard. Right. Okay. But he needs a, he needs spots. a voice he's going to listen to. Right. A, a guy he respects because he's got a lot on his plate as the head coach and the play caller in close games and he needs a calm voice that he trusts to say, "Hey man, just run it." Yeah. Which he did. He did run it against K-State, against Baylor, then against not, Iowa State. Not against TCU. But not against TCU and not against Yeah. Oklahoma State. It was Mind, mind-boggling. I mean, right. first and goal from the two, first and goal from the five against TCU, and Bijan Robinson doesn't get a touch in either situation. Correct. That can't happen ever again. It can't happen. And I think you know, hopefully, he learns from those mistakes and realizes I need to give my guys an opportunity to run the rock because that shows my offensive line that I believe in them too. Right. And they like uh, any offensive lineman that we've Wants ever talked to. to the they want to run the ball. They we used to talk to Dan Neal. I hear Casey talking about it. Casey Stutter. I mean, they they love running the ball because it's grinders, mano y mano. Let's go to work. That's the only thing that scares me going into next year. Okay, is is Sark thinking he needs to throw to set up the run, or is he right going to be trusting and confident enough in Jonathan Brooks or C.J. Baxter? to run the ball from the beginning and run it and play action, run it and play action. Yeah. Because in the bowl game, it was clearly a passing game plan. So let me ask you this before we go, before we go any further. And and I agree with you. It seemed to be that way. But as we found out a little bit later, Jonathan Brooks was dealing with that sports hernia. Do you think that that was the case? And that's why he decided, you know what, let's just start chunking it. But my other question would be, if that was the case, why would you even play him? Right. Why not give the ball to Jaden Blue? Because we thought you said that he was going to play last that week, right. and, and that, then he ends up not playing. That was weird. Yeah. Because he said it. Right. If it you, wasn't a right. report. It wasn't anybody breaking news. He was the one who said that. And right. then we never got a chance to see him. And then you start Keelan Robinson, which I understand you wanted to give him a start because he'd done everything. But then he kept running the ball yes, with him. And exactly. you're going, what is going on That's not here? who he okay, is. Okay, well now we find out Jonathan Brooks is right. going to have hernia surgery. Right. Where was Jaden Blue? Right. That was the biggest question for me as well because Jaden Blue, for, you know, he didn't go his senior year, came to school, Thought he was going to get this opportunity. Obviously, a coaching change happened, but he was still one of the top running backs in the country, if not the top running back in the state of Texas, him and Reuben Owens. So you sit there and you're like, uh, here we go, here we go. But I was just curious to what you thought about that and why, if it was more because of the fact that he had that sports hernia and didn't want to have him running that yeah, much because and, of that. And it, it's very possible that that was a bigger part of the – equation than anyone knew at the time right and the thing is i love sark's running numbers like if you look at his his offenses at usc at you know obviously at alabama he runs the ball like Najee harris oh it was a monster was a monster yeah and he wasn't even the best player on the team because you had so many other backs in the backfield and caught the football wasn't that the same team with josh jacobs 
You know, Josh Jacobs was somebody that wasn't even getting that much run because they had so many running backs. Yeah. They had Brian Robinson. I mean, they're, they're, they had so many backs. They had backs coming oh, out of their backs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's what Texas is trying to build as well. Before I let you go, Chip, I know you got to get up out of here. I want to talk to you one more time about the Texas basketball team. Their path to the Big 12 championship um, is a lot tougher. You said this earlier than Kansas is heading into this week. But what what is it that you see – the most from this team besides the age, but more importantly, this team as they play together. Well, I love their energy against Iowa State. Yep. You know, you're you're at that point where, man, everyone's beat up and and been through it. Yep. And you're trying to get to the finish line and then, you know, you gotta be fresh. Right. Because you got the Big Twelve tournament, you could play three games in three days and right. blah right. blah blah. And then the next weekend, you're playing for, for real, for real. <laughs> yeah, and I just loved their energy against Iowa State. Now they were at home. Yep, but they got to take that energy into Baylor. Right. The the, the Farrell Center. The Farrell Center. The second half of the K State game in Manhattan was the best half of basketball I've seen all year. And Christian Bishop was yeah, he was possessed. a maniac. He was a possessed. Yeah, and he's bringing that kind of energy and has to bring that kind of energy. Yep. Dylan DeZue's been playing well. Like, everybody's kind of giving you something. You know, with Beard, the big guy seemed like kind of an afterthought. And Patrick, what did you say about Chris Beard and the, and the big man, how he, he didn't never want him on the court at the same time? No, he had problems with big men. Of Well, he didn't want to play offense very much. Right. And so they, they were they, – because he didn't like playing inside out. And so they just did not like playing for him because they wouldn't get the ball very much. He'd be like, well, go get an offensive rebound. It's not that easy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Trey, Trey Mitchell's up there in, in <laughs> right. West Virginia. Right. But Dazoo's been playing well. He's hitting that that free throw jumper. Yep. You know, he's that he's, mid range. A little mid range. Yep. And when you got to bust zones, that's where you got to hit from. Mm-hmm. You know, Brock Cunningham does a great job of getting to that free throw line um, when teams zone him. And that's, that's, What's great about having five players who are key, five key players yeah. in their fifth year of college basketball. No doubt. I mean, Jabari Rice, Timmy Allen, Christian Bishop, Marcus Carr. You got guys who know they've been around it. Yeah. And and it's they're just fun to watch, man. But they got big challenge. Baylor's coming off a loss. Yep. And they're going to be pissed. They're going to be pissed. They're in the Ferro <laughs> Center, and they're tough, man. They're tough. Right. All their guards can hit. Now they got, you know, Jonathan Chachua. Yeah, back. Back, yep. and he's he's a load. And so, if let's put it this way. If Texas wins the Big 12 regular season championship, it is one of the best stories of the last five years in college basketball Yeah, with what's happened here. Yeah, with Beard getting dismissed, and and you need you need Tyrese Hunter to just lock in defensively, mm-hmm. just give you that dog on defense because that's when his offense comes when he he's starting to let his shot affect his game and yeah we he, were talking about how he can't he, do he that kept getting beat the other night yeah. and he wasn't playing the best defense that he had been playing and that's what he we needs to be Royal Ivy right now. Yeah, lock down. He, he needs to forget about offense. Yeah, if the offense comes, great because because it felt like his rhythm finally came the other day. Right. He knocked down. He got to see a couple balls fall down. We got a backdoor cut. Got a layup. Great pass by Christian Bishop. 
But those are the types of things that ignite players. And his offensive numbers are not that far off from last year. No. It's his defensive numbers that have fallen. He, yep. he was averaging two steals a game. You know, he would get you some blocks. He's not doing that as much, and his assist numbers are down. Yeah. And I think he has struggled with when to take over take over because yeah. Marcus Carr has been really good this year, there's no doubt. And Carr's been really good because of Tyrese Hunter right. taking that load off of him. Carr can move without the ball and, and go score. He doesn't have to set up the offense and get everyone involved. That's, that's Tyrese's job. But yeah. Jabari Rice, that dude is he's the – MVP of this team. Right. I mean, I just Six don't. man of the year, for oh sure. Oh, my God. The no guy matter is where such it a is. closer. Yeah. He just makes big-time plays when you have to have it. Yeah. And then you throw in that that up fake, that shot fake. The best in the world. It's just so long. You know, the funny thing is. You know it's coming. Oh. But what does a pump fake look like from everyone else? It's that quick. Yeah. It doesn't look like a shot. Yeah. Jabari's like, uh Yeah. And then and he gets as high oh. as he can on his tippy toes and then just gets past you. And how many times has he gotten a guy in the air and gotten fouled on a three-pointer at the end of a half? Right. Or late in a game when you have to when have you it? you have to have When it. you need to stop the momentum of the other team? And you hear every coach over there, stay on the ground, stay on the ground. And then if you don't come out, he's shooting that thing oh, yeah. and he's hitting and he's the hitting bottom. But yeah, he's, he's, he's finding now. his stroke. He's averaging 17 points the last what, three games, yeah, four games? no doubt. And he's shooting 46% from three? No, yeah, yeah. That's what you want at this time of year. This is the time. And you got three guards that have won games in a tournament and taken their team into the second round. That's the important part. That's the part that no I've been talking about. No one wants to play this team. And, and, and if they understand their roles, and the beautiful thing is Coach um, Terry has been playing DeSue and Bishop together. He's been playing DeSue, Bishop, and – Brock Cunningham together, and he's been piecing it all together when all of these guys start start moving around. So I'm I'm really enjoying the energy that they're seeing. Um, and before, if he's not getting defense from Tyrese Hunter, he brings in Arterio Morris, exactly. who he has gotten to buy into playing defense. The and Arterio's a bigger, longer defender. Yeah, who's not afraid. Who's not afraid, and when he's on offensively, woo. And he can get to that rim anytime he wants to because he's definitely going to try to dunk on somebody. Chip, before we let you go, man, tell everybody where to follow you at and where they can find some of your work. Hey, come on over to Horns247.com, Chip Brown247 on Twitter. And you also got the flagship, flagship podcast. podcast. That's right. Hit Go it to up. the Horns247 YouTube channel and find all those flagship podcast episodes, including the the uh, one-on-one with Chris Del Conte this week. Yeah, that was pretty entertaining, and you know he's not afraid to give somebody a shout out. Oh man, and Kyle Umley, oh, man, yeah. he's he's hilarious when he cut, he attacks the Aggies on Thursdays, <laughs> and that's today, <laughs> and that's today. <laughs> Just the fact that he even said that, I was like, I was cracking wow. up. <laughs> that dude is crazy, but he's hey, he will answer you if you hit him up on Twitter. Yeah, he's not afraid to talk to people, so it's always good stuff. Texas fans should thank their lucky stars. Look at the facility renovation the guy's done. All the money he's raised yep. through COVID. I mean, he's he, done a lot. It's unbelievable. He's done a lot. And I appreciate you for coming in and, and sitting in for my man, Rob Babers. As always, that's my man, C. Breezy, Chip Brown. Follow him at ChipBrown247 on Twitter. Chip, as always, man, thank you, brother. Hey, man, have a great weekend. Appreciate you. We'll be back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn.
We extended ourselves a little bit the last uh, segment. My man Chip Brown was on his way out, so we wanted to talk to him a little bit more and get some of his thoughts. When we come back, me and my man Patrick will talk a little bit about Sir Jabari Rice and how he's the rising star. I know he's an older player, but he's becoming more of a star with that pump fake, and everybody can't get enough of it. When we, fin- when we come back to Ball Don't Lie, right here on 104.9 The Horn.